Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day, another fantastic interview. I love it because I've got Eric Rogers with me. Eric Rogers is an amazing man who uh, is such an example of a transformation that I was dead keen to actually have him on my show. And it is, uh, we all, all of my guests have been in the darkness. Some of us more than others. Some of us, maybe not so much. The vast majority of people I talked to, they it was pitch black. And Eric is no, no different there. So uh, welcome, brother, on my show, because it's time that we share where you have been and how you got yourself out of the shit. What were the steps that led to you being the new you and coming to a point where you say, yeah, I love my life. And I come onto a show and I'm actually truly, truly honest about my life, transparent, show integrity. Now that, that takes balls. And I know you're not just a six pack. Uh, you are a man who has transformed into something remarkable. And I'm honored to have you on the show. So welcome, Eric. Thank you for having me, brother. This is awesome. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, nowadays you are, you're there looking at you for crying out loud. I mean, you know, you buy extra small shirts just to look good, don't you? You bugger. That's just a large, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it is, you see that the discipline that you put in your life has reaped rewards. And it is just, it is an, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, we take that for granted. You listen to some influencers out there, some people who are who are really into discipline, and you see them running along, yeah, and giving you a pep talk once they're running at 150 miles an hour and have just gone through a desert. And you think, oh, fuck off. Okay, honestly, this is just, come on. Um, but you are actually living it. You're living it more quietly. And yet you're yeah. giving the pep talk out of a chair, not running with a naked chest dripping and sweat. So I do appreciate that. Although it would have probably increased my viewer uh, rating yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> so maybe we should we should redo that in the, in the gym. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> next so, time. <laughs> exactly. Next time. When you were a young boy, who did you want to be? What do you want to become uh, when you were a little boy? Man, I had quite an imagination as a kid. Um, it, it was definitely, it was a lot of things changed in my life at seven years old. And my, my traumatic experience started at a very young age. I still had quite a bit of an imagination after that. Um, but mostly it was a violent imagination. Mostly it was, uh, you know, how am I going to get out of here type of imagination? You know, I always wanted to go live in the wild and just separate myself from the world and isolate myself. That's something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be like a badass motherfucker. Dude, that was something I really wanted to be. Uh, I just didn't know how to get there. So, I mean, talking about my childhood, seven years old, you know, the instant, the instance that actually started all of this, you know, darkness in my life was, you know, I was sexually molested by my Sunday school teacher um, at seven years old. And, you know, I didn't say a word and I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody up until this year, actually. Um, but the week 
after I knew I had to go back. Right. It's a place I have to go every Sunday. And I decided to deal with it on my own. I was, you know, extreme emotions were ha- were going in my head. I was seven. I was angry. And I decided to deal with her myself. I poured a cap full of bleach in her coffee at Sunday school. Yeah. Instant karma. Right. And she got extremely sick. And a lot of this memory is, is very repressed because I did push it down so deep for so long. But there are key points that I remember. And how I remember is the behavioral issues I had growing up are all connected to this moment. So one being I was violent, lots of violent thoughts, violent actions, because I thought it was okay. Because at seven years old, I had took an action on something that I hated on somebody I hated. And that was the last time she touched me. So it triggered my head that it was okay. The other thing is I became an extremely uh, good liar. Because at that moment, at seven years old, I had had these these thoughts like, oh, I can't tell anyone now, like, I'm going to get in trouble for (laughs) pouring bleach in her coffee. Right. And so I from that moment on, I became an extremely good liar. Um, And obviously the, the trauma that I endured, just pushing that memory down and down and down, you know, caused a lot. And then I I grew up in a household, good family. Right dad was a Folsom prison guard, you know, there because of what I was going through and they had no idea I was segregated, segregated within the family. Um, cause I was different. I was, t- I had temper tantrums, uncontrollable anger issues and just psychological issues. And they just didn't know what was going on. And so they kind of just put me in a, in a corner. Right. And I had been, you know, learned how to isolate myself very well and not let the world in. I hated authority because of what happened to me. So I had a lot of problems listening to my parents, listening to my father, very, I was very disrespectful, very negative. And, you know, there's consequences for that, right? They didn't know what was going on. So I endured a lot of emotional abuse as a child within my family itself. I endured a lot of not as much, but some physical abuse as well um, as a young kid. And man, I was an angry. I just got worse, worse mm-hmm. and worse. Now, at the age of eight, I had found a pill bottle of my mom's. My mom had a lot of kidney stones back in the day, and I, I found her pain pillars, pills. I took one at eight years old. I didn't really know what it was, but I took it. it made me feel amazing. And the pain left it was gone. And I just knew that was what I needed to do. I needed to find some way Mm. to relieve it. So however I could anger drugs, Mm. you know, violence, whatever, you name it. I had a lot of vices, a lot of, a lot of escapism, you know, traits. And man, I was, I was drinking whole bottles of Robitessin, taking Dramamine. I was going in, going, (laughs) I was taking four doses of Benadryl you know, whatever I could do just to get these thoughts and this anger out of my head. You know, another cool thing is that I learned that pull-ups at a young age, pull-ups really helped me, you know, and I'm glad I found that because that's what I use today. Right. That's what I use today to cope and keep me on the right track. But uh, fast forward through to high school uh, at 16 years old, you know, I started uh, delving into 
cocaine mm. and marijuana. And I, I got extremely addicted to cocaine because the type of personality I am, I know we talked about this earlier is I am mm. the all in type of guy. Mm. I'm all in or I'm all out. There's no in between. There's no gray area. I'm actually diagnosed bipolar two, And that might be a part of it. I actually have a YouTube channel called the polarizing effect <laughs> because uh, that's just, I'm all in, man. I'm all in. And that's part of the mentality that I teach as well, going the right direction. Um, but I took cocaine to the next level. I started selling it. I started getting a lot of people hooked on it. And then, you know, at age of 17, my dad found a little bit on my possession he called me and he's like, Hey, you're done. Like you're, you're out kicked out. Don't come home. Right. And so it's 17. I found myself homeless. I had a job, a pizza delivery boy, um, and a car and that's it. And, uh, the first night I was out, I went over to a friend's house, so-called. And I was telling him like, dude, I'm going to quit. Like I'm, I'm going to change my life. Like I just got kicked out. I have to get my, my shit together. And the next morning we wake up and he pulls out a little bag with white powder. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you want some? And I was like, yeah, bro, of course. Right. Cause I was an addict and I took a, a little like bump and, you know, it burnt really bad. And on my way to dropping him off at work, he's like, so how long you've been doing methamphetamine, right? How long you've been doing meth? And I was like, what? what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you just did it. And caught me by surprise completely. I was pissed. I, I pushed him out of the car. I'm like, you're done. Like I was, I was extremely mad at him. And then I ended up going to his house later that night and smoking it. And I, st- I, I got extremely hooked to methamphetamine. Right. Uh, I was an extreme user, started getting myself in situations where I was hanging around some evil people extremely evil people put in situations I would have never been in. You know, I've had eight overdoses, three grand mal seizures. I've, um, psych drug induced psychosis, like the signs of schizophrenia. And I've had like, I've had it uh, three times where I had a knife to my throat and once where I had a gun to my head held hostage by mm-hmm. tweakers, you know, the same people that I was calling my friends but I need, I need people in my life. They, they wanted me in their life, (laughs) but when they got too high, you know, bad things happen, you know? And so I was in this environment where I was just surrounded by evil, surrounded by massive drug addiction. And I was actually taking like so much methamphetamines. I didn't eat or sleep for three weeks at a time. And, you know, I was seeing demons. I was hallucinating. I was the guy on the side of the road yelling at cars, biting my shoulder, like biting my tongue. You see the scars on my face. I, mm. you know, I have massive, I was just picking at my face all the time. Um, came to a point where I, I got pulled over, uh, three minors in my car. And I, you know, th- I was 18. I just turned 18 and I had three minors in the car and we're, we're doing lines on the side of the road three cops pulled up behind me, the lights on. And I, that was it, man. That was it. They found um, an eight ball of methamphetamine, eight ball of cocaine, a uh, meth pipe, uh, uh ounce of weed and three grams of hash and three minors. <laughs> yeah. So I went to, I went to jail that night <laughs> for two weeks. I spent two weeks uh, detoxing in, in SAC, nice. uh, SAC County jail in Sacramento, California. And 
Uh, it was the first time in, in a long time I was sober. Wow. Right. So 18, finally sober. I was, I was seeing that it was possible. That was the coolest part about that. It was my first glimpse that it, like I could quit and it would be okay. Right. Um, when I, when I got out, I, I didn't get clean fully. I got off the hard stuff. I ended up moving up to Truckee, California in the woods. Mm. I was homeless again for another four months up there trying to just, I, I did what I said I was going to do. I isolated myself in the woods mm. Four months. I had a can of uh, a box of canned foods and my guitar and a tarp. And I lived four months survived in the woods and I killed squirrels with my guitar strings. I snared them. I cooked them. I put them in my chili. I ate them. I survived. And I spent that time beginning getting clean and self-reflecting, which are some of the tools that I still use to this day. Right. Uh, and then I met my wife and we got married. I was, did you snare her or was it a, a more, <laughs> more conventional? <laughs> it was more conventional. All right. Oh, she yeah. snared me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, she's amazing. First time I ever felt loved in my life, you know, uh, ever, ever felt love. And so I just, it connected. Um, but then I, I was dabbling in alcohol, dabbling in, in weed. I was dabbling in pillows. I started having addiction to benzos to Adderall. Uh, you know, just next, the next thing. Right. And I took that to the next level. So we fast forward my son, we had our son married, I believe four or five years at that point. And my son is one, one years old. My wife quit when she got pregnant, she was sober doing really well. Just an amazing woman just changed her life. Right. She had to quit because of the pregnancy. And then, uh, it just came to the point where I was causing so much harm to that family to my family. I was just being such a piece of shit, such a victim, no responsibility. Wasn't there for them. I wasn't, I wasn't who I was supposed to be. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it came to a point where I was not fit to be a father. I was not fit to be a husband. And so they left. Right. And there there I was alone again. Um, And this moment I was just like, I was done. It was it, bro. I spent about four months getting back into the hard stuff, drinking about uh, almost a gallon, a whole handle of whiskey a night. And to the point, like four months later, I, I put a gun in my mouth and I said, this is it. Like my life is fucked. Mm-hmm. I've ruined everything. And it was I, I made the decision and I put that gun in my mouth and I was just panicking, you know extreme panic tears rolling down my my face slobbering screaming i hadn't even like i didn't tell anyone i didn't leave a note it was not a cry for help this time you know what i mean like it was in the past and uh squeezing that trigger and something just i i had this vision of my son calling somebody else dad and i and and a man loving my wife more than I ever could. And it killed me, bro. <laughs> I didn't need to pull that trigger. Right. It killed me. And, um, it was the first moment in my life where out of selfishness, I said, I could be that person. Like I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want my wife to be loved by someone else. I didn't want my son to have a different dad, like at least like, so I pulled that gun out of my mouth and it was the first time in my life I took in responsibility. And it was that moment I was fucking wasted, bro. And just a mess. 
And I, I was like, you know what? It, my actions from my past got me here. It was the first time I ever saw that. In the, in the past, it was always your fault. Mm. It was always their fault, right? It was never my fault. It started when that lady touched me. And it started when my, my parents, my father and, and brother emotionally abused me. It's their fault, right? And then it, it wasn't their fault. How I reacted to those things was my fault. When I became a certain age, I had control, but I chose to be a victim instead. And don't, I'm, this is a hard journey and you may never see that until you hit rock bottom. That's the truth. I couldn't see it. I had no idea. I had no way of seeing that I was in control at all or that this was my fault at all until it was too late. I had to get to the point where I was at the bottom of that hole and I had two choices. I can get out of that hole or I can just end it, you know, fill it up with dirt. And I, that's what I needed, you know, and don't mind me. Like I, I had eight, I had eight overdoses in the past. So I had guns, my head, knives in my throat. I was in situations I've seen people die, like not talking about drug addiction, drug overdoses either. I've, I've been there. I've seen it. And those weren't enough. You know, but when I lost the only time I felt love for my wife and son, when I lost that, that's what I needed. And that was a moment I decided, like, I can change the outcome of my future. It's powerful. And I felt I felt a little bit, but dude, I committed. I committed the next day. I quit drinking. I quit doing drugs. I haven't looked back since. And obviously, like, I know we talked about this early, but I studied human beings. <laughs> I talked to people. I was like, how do you live? Like, how do you, how do you react to things? Like, how, you know, asking guys, like, how do you not lust over girls? Right. Like, how, you know, how do you react to somebody talking crap to you? Like, you know, cause I'm always like fight, like fight. Mm -hmm. So always fight or flight, you know, always running from pain or, just causing pain. And I realized very quickly that I didn't want to be normal. I, I like getting myself in a community of guys and talking to them. I was like, this is fucking weird, bro. Like, you guys are weird. Like all lovey dovey. I'm intense. And so like, it gave me the eebie jeebies, like being around normal people. Like I went to church and I was, everyone was so nice. I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you guys? You know, it was just weird for me. And uh, I realized very quickly that I will probably never be able to stop being intense. Right. I have a massive drive. That's my superpower, extreme drive focus. And so I just got to point that compass needle in the right direction and keep it there. And I'll, I'll get what I want every time. And I won't stop till I get it. Right. I got my wife back, my kid back there. They're here right now. Um, yeah. You know, over time, eventually, started my business and I took all the tools I learned from the point of pulling that gun out of my mouth to now. And I built a program and I use those tools to help people just get to know themselves and understand themselves, be aware of their struggles, their emotions and how to break through those limitations they've set for themselves through trauma or just life. Right. Is everyone has a commitment problem. Everyone has a problem quitting. Everybody has a problem, um, you know, self-reflecting. And so I teach them those tools. 
Um, I didn't get help. I didn't go to rehab. I didn't go. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get help. I, I went to church. I really got to know God, but I did it all on my own. I'm a, I'm a fucking miracle, bro. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it's, ah, my God, you said so many things at one stage. You saw me laughing at probably in a quite inappropriate moments when you're really at your lowest. The reason I was laughing is because your words came out of your mouth, yet I could have spoken them. They could have yeah. been virtually, virtually, you know, transcribed from my soul. And yeah. that's why I was thinking, what the fuck? This is the, exactly the same shit I've gone through, the same emotions, the same down and all the same actually ready to throw it in i didn't have well i had overdoses alcoholic overdoses uh because ultimately there were times when i was literally in a coma and not not in a hospital coma but you know completely passed out yeah, yeah. not as life-threatening as yours i give you that and right. ultimately but it's it's the same sense of of trauma being there for the victim being there for, look what they have done to me. And look, yeah. because of that, I'm going to drink now a whole bottle of Jim Beam. Ha <laughs> ha, that will show them. Ha <laughs> <And laughs> it's, it's ha. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. What the fuck? But that's exactly how I was for years and years and years and years. Anger and resentment, my key responses to absolutely everything. Uh, it was shoot first, then ask questions. There was yeah. no love to myself. There was probably not too much love to those people around me that mattered. So was I a dick? Shit, yeah. And uh, from a very early age onwards, I was a selfish prick. And yeah. it is, yeah, it, it takes a lot, of, a lot of hard, hard, hard work that you were willing to put in, that you were at a crucial moment, you had, you had an epiphany, you had an, an, an insight. And that yeah. led to your transformation. Something there was some some catalyst there, and yeah. whatever that was, whoever gave you that thought, if there is a being out there, let it be God. I can live with that if you believe in that. Let it yeah. be absolutely an energy being of sorts. Something bigger than us is out there, yeah. and I think that is what we need to accept. There are there are things out there that we cannot explain. But something rescued you there. And that something is worthwhile chasing. Because yeah. if 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 you can be guided by something towards a, a different coping mechanism, a different belief system, a different way forward, a different mission, yeah. a different vision, a different dream, even. You don't need to be as clear yet. But if you can imagine just for the time being that there is a better life out there. Just imagine it, even if you believe that it will never come true. If you just have that little glimmer of, hey, yeah, this would be nice if, but yeah, right. That's a start. That's a start. That's the candle, yeah. the candle in the darkness that hopefully people like Eric and me can turn into a, a torch and actually be, the, be the, the, the lighthouse literally out there in the darkness, in the storm for you guys, because we have been in the shits. We have yeah. been in the darkness, darker moments than, than maybe you, are, you could imagine. Yes, thank you very much. I've been there and I, 
I hated every second of it. Yeah. But you need to be there to appreciate now the light. And that's why I spent a Saturday morning here recording with Eric and having an honest man-to-man talk. What we do is connection. We talk about our shit. We actually open up and we are honest about it, what has happened to us. And that's something that when you're in your addiction, you will never do, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you you said you became the best liar ever. Um, I I call it hiding. I was bad. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. dad was a, a, a cop, you know, yeah. and I was uh, I was punished for telling the truth. So that was another reason why. Huh. Um, you, you know how your parents are like, did you do this? And you're like, yeah. no, I didn't. But you're lying. Well, yeah. if, when I if I told the truth, I yeah. get I get disciplined for it. Right. Uh-huh. Don't ever do that to your kids. Like, uh-huh. I'm just just saying, like, I'm not going to tell anyone how to parent. But man, that uh-huh. right there, because I applied this to my son. If he does something bad and he lies and then he and I get the truth out of him, I give him a hug straight up changes nice. everything changes nice. everything yeah. if he continues to lie and i know about it that's a different story right mm-hmm. so i mean that the, the lying was uh caused a huge turmoil in my life it was i was in survival mode mm-hmm. absolutely i lied to survive yeah and i hid from my pain to survive this is something that i can absolutely um, admit to is drugs saved my life I want to be here without him. I know that's fucking crazy, but no, 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 no. That is absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because ultimately we use drugs or behaviors to escape reality. So those drugs are actually a a survival mechanism there and then. There is a reason that you use. There's a reason that you drink. There's a reason that you sleep with everything that has a heartbeat because it gives you something it it fulfills a need that is so deep deep down in the recesses of the darkest recesses of your brain you have no idea what's going on but these are the core beliefs these are the core things that that are happening that then drive our emotions in you in my case the anger and resentment which then drives our actions in your case, well, acting out and and uh, and going nuts in so many ways, and same with me. I was, I was, yeah. My core beliefs were fucked up until I went into rehab, because I had no idea that there is a concept of core beliefs. I had no idea of all these kind of things. So therefore, yeah, it's this, not isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was essentially blind. I was emotionally blind. And I had no clue what was going on. I was a victim of my own neurochemistry in my brain. Yeah. I mean, it's just waves were hitting me from all sides, emotions from all sides. I had no clue. Yeah. And I only responded you, to it. <laughs> yeah. And you react to it. That's Isn't the it? problem. Exactly. That's the fucking problem, right? You react to it by hiding or you react to it by mm. expressing yeah. And here's a fact, and this this helped me so much in, along my journey of control and discipline. Is discipline emotionally is like where you've truly mastered yourself, in my opinion, right? It emotions and thoughts are they're okay to have. Everybody has them. Those will never go away. Don't even mm-hmm. try to think. Don't try to think they ever will go away. But if you can be aware of them, mm-hmm. 
and realize that emotions aren't reality. They're real, but they're not reality until you react to them. Correct. And when you react to them, now there's consequences. Correct. That, that, that emotion has come out of your mouth or through your, your actions. And now there's going to be something coming back to you. And it's never good hmm. if it's a negative emotion. Right. And so to, to, to be able to be aware of like, is this negative? Is this positive? And give yourself some time between the reaction and the emotion and control it. Very hard to do, but I believe that the key to doing that is by controlling everything else that you can't, the small Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. what you ingest, what you do with your body, what you put in your mind, Mm -hmm. right? Which I use fitness and and nutrition for those aspects with my clients. And it's Mm -hmm. crazy. It's amazing. And it's so true. And there are just as much as you have used fitness and a focus on your body to deal with the emotions, which by the way, is an, a superb way of dealing with it. Um, there is equally, you cannot just build these muscles here, but you can actually build the emotional muscles. It's yeah. just as much a gym workout that you don't just try once mindfulness and now you're fit forever, my ass. No, this is, uh, you need to, to put the, the, the training wheels on your little bike and, and <laughs> have a little ponytails coming. That's okay, however you imagine it. But your emotions and how do you deal with them, you need to practice that. And you need to practice yeah. the, in, the, the stepping away from, from your immediate response of fight and flight, but rather yeah. to actually say, okay, is this really an asshole? And if yes, then you have the choice. Do I actually want or do I actually need to respond with violence in order to deal with that real threat? Or is it more likely that you are just having a shit day uh, for reasons whatsoever, because you are hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, You haven't looked after yourself. You're dehydrated like a crisp. And now someone says something that he might have either not even meant like that so he might have completely misunderstood him, or he might have maybe said it in a maybe not so nice way because he is in stress or distress. Well, now you have got a choice to actually realize, well, actually, I have not looked after myself. And yes, he is a bit of a dick at the moment. But if I actually look at his circumstances at the moment, yeah, I think I would be a dick too. Well, yeah. these kind of little steps, hell, you might say, hey, you know what? Shall we have a coffee together? Shall we, or better, do you want a glass of water and a muffin or something like that? Whatever, whatever, whatever right now in this situation works for you, okay? However you de-escalate. Fuck, give the guy a hug, okay? And you break, you break the whole thing. So if, well, hopefully he's not homophobic and he misunderstands you. (laughs) But, you know, break the the pattern. Learn to, to accept maybe the film that is played in my mind right now might actually be just that a film and it might be actually a crappy b rated film um (laughs) not (laughs) x-rated y rated (laughs) really crap because it is the 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 old stinking thinking the old survival that that served you well when you were seven but does it really serve you now I think they, these are the Absolutely key things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's where we all need to learn. But fuck, that takes time. And it takes, it takes practice. Exactly. Yeah. 
And you, it's, I want to come back to the point where you said, hey, I had this, this revelation that really it is, it is time to change. The past does not equal the future. So you changed and you then said you became a, a, a learner, a lifelong learner, uh, someone who's studying people. And you did it all yourself. Um, did you did you end up fast tracking on that journey? Yes, of course, you can try to find all the people yourself, see who comes by accident across your path, or you could seek them out and maybe go to an NA meeting or AA meeting or to LifeRing or many other organizations out there that are focusing on addiction first and then help you to get better. Or there are other, other organizations out there who focus on you getting better, becoming the new you, where then the need of uh, escaping reality becomes less and less and less. Did you did you meet yeah. anyone on your path there? Man, man, I was still extremely isolated. Hmm. And I, I was still in, in a way not really able to tell people what I was going through. Hmm. Or, or really admit it, but I was starting to admit it to myself. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of this is genetics, man, the way I think and the way I work. Like, I, I think that we're all built a certain way and some people need exterior help to like, you know, give them a path, build them a, a blueprint or whatever and show them the way. For me, I didn't, I, I, for some reason I couldn't, I couldn't reach out for help. Like when I went to community group, I didn't tell my problems. I just want to study them. So I was just there to learn, right? Right. I didn't admit it. The only one that knew everything was like my wife, yeah. you know, but she didn't know what happened to me as a kid. I never told her nobody. Um, I learned to look inside of myself and, and that was a very hard thing to do, but because I was isolated, that's what I had to do. Mm. Right. I, and I think this is what makes me a good coach. Mm. Right. Because I can hold myself accountable very well. I'm extremely disciplined and I'm a self-starter, I'm self-motivated, and I'm very self-aware. One thing I have trouble with is understanding how other people think sometimes, <laughs> right? Because I'm like, wait, why do you think like that? I, I did that easily, right? I have that, I'm like that controlling type of personality, which I, I have a cap on, I try every day. I have a routine to help me with that. But well, the, the biggest thing I found was, I had to take the path I was on, which is in the wrong direction. And I had to, I had to understand why, like, who am I, right? Find my identity. This was hard to do. And you talked about this with me before you said that you had no idea who you were when you got out of rehab. You didn't know who you were. I struggled with that too. And one thing that I realized is that when I did find somebody I looked up to, I probably because my father wasn't the greatest father figure to my, to me in my life, mm -hmm. I almost like became the person I looked up to. I like uh, formed uh, into them. I was uh, easily influenced. Right. Which was weird because when I was on drugs, I was the influence. I was the bad influence. I was the leader. And when I like pulled out of that, I like studying people. I started to become people. It's actually got me in a lot of trouble. And so because of that is another reason why I'm like, oh no, I need to figure me out. I need to figure out who I am because that's not me. Right. Cause it wasn't sustainable. I realized I keep trying to live like they taught me or they showed me and it wasn't sustainable. And so I, 
I, again, I isolated. And I know this is probably something a lot of people would say that's not good to do. Right. But this is how I work. I found out how I found out what my personality is, what my character traits yeah. were yeah. extremely driven, independent, and I'm smart, you know? And so I took those things and I accepted them and I applied them and I put all my focus into them. And I realized I didn't need a community. I was going to build a community, not, not find one. Right. And so eventually, I mean, I did that. I have one now. Um, Maybe it was from what happened to me as a kid and my disrespect to authority because I couldn't trust. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that changed my genetic code and it's just who I am now. But that's how God made me. And I just accepted it. And when I accepted that I don't learn like other people, I just, I, the growth was explosive is explosive because this, all this happened four years ago, three and a half years ago, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. Wow. Fuck me. And that is the important bit. There's there's so much good stuff that you've just said there. But I think the one thing that I want to second and and, and focus in on is the, the that we are all different. Yet whilst you are using exactly the same words to describe you, a very similar response to your trauma as I have experienced, um, yet we come to, to a degree to different conclusions. And not to say that one is better or not so good or whatsoever. No, it is what is right for you. And at the moment, you say, actually, I didn't need community. Um, and to a certain degree, I felt the same. I felt, you know, in the in the start, I, I had this beautiful four weeks in rehab. And really, it was a beautiful bubble with people who really allowed me to progress rapidly and then thereafter there was the deal the, the kind of 90 meetings in 90 days and an ongoing program and it was weird because i had made such progress in uh in my first four weeks in rehab uh i at times felt damn i can teach that class there um not and that that was actually quite weird uh, also i more often than not aa meetings were actually triggering me when I heard all them going on about the, the problems, it became clear to me that there are some people who are just stuck in, in such meetings who will never yeah. move forward beyond the victim mode. Uh, it's in its I got life. something to add on to that yeah. for sure, man. Yeah, go for because it, I went I went into an NA, NA meeting once and I walked in there and, and I sat down and this is no disrespect to AA because it works for some people and I want people to get help, whatever works for them. Like I said, yeah. but like I went in and uh, I believe he was like 60, 70 years old. And he told his story, you know, he's 30 years sober, but he's like, hi, I'm Tom. I'm an addict. And I, I literally stood up. I was like, no, you're not. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure what, like why he was saying that I didn't know that's what they said. And I was like, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, I am always going to be an addict. I was like, how are you going to always be an addict? If you, if you've been clean for 30 years, I don't understand. I was like, is this what I have to do? I have to identify myself as an addict for the rest of my life. And they're like, well, that's what we do. And I got up and I left. I never came back. 
Mm-hmm. And since then, I, I, I've been studying identity like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like what's my identity, whatever I believe that I am and whatever I say I am is where my standard is. Right. So if I call myself an addict, there's going to be a way bigger chance that I'm going to slip back in, a, in alcoholism and drug Ooh, addiction. Nice. Yep. That's it. I, I, you know, is, I move forward. And these are ex- very accepted uh, ways of thinking. There are these two big schools of thought. Uh, one of them is where you live, where you say, no, I'm not an addict. That was my past. I am moving forward. I'm actually a entrepreneur. I'm the CEO of my business. I am the loving man. I'm a loving father. That is who I am. And I imagine that. What would it be like to be that person and imagine it really strongly and be crystal clear about it? And you become that person because you're now focusing on that. And that's what I mean. That is that is the, the beautiful side that really is true recovery where you actually work towards that new person. Absolute gorgeous. That is exactly what life is all about. Full stop. For many of us, however, we need to accept that we have that we are not even anywhere close there. Okay, we are still we still get a vomit on the t-shirt. Okay, Um, so therefore, it is good to also do the the stick, not just the carrot, to actually say, no, I'm an alcoholic. And for me, it was one of the most releasing things ever because. Addiction is something that you hide. I was hiding that I was hungover, then I hid that I was thinking about alcohol. I hid that I was buying alcohol. I hid that I was drinking alcohol. I hid that I was drunk, and then I passed out. And then we started again. So a lot of hiding going on there. So therefore, for, for you suddenly to stand up uh, sober in front of a crowd and say, I'm an alcoholic. That yeah. broke the, the dike. That now suddenly that. everything came out. So therefore, for some people, that is exactly what is necessary. You could make yeah. then an argument. Do you really want to keep living in that? I think I, I it was the moment for me where my my tension, my 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 whole being was stretched this far in the bow that I had to let go the arrow. And it was really fully, fully extended. And it then shot forward. And that is exactly, that is when I said these words, I'm an alcoholic. Okay. That was the first breakthrough for me because yeah. it, I did no longer have to hide it. I guess deep down, I'm a doctor as you, I'm, I'm not too, not too stupid. Um, so and I realized Thanks. deep down, deep down that that there is something, you know, not right in the way I behave and not right in the way I feel. And I certainly don't like it how I feel. But it was what it was. So different school of thoughts. I accept I and respect both. Um, Absolutely. When, and I would like to try the distinction. Uh, distinction. So I wrote a book, uh, My Steps to Sobriety. And that book is essentially describing my journey, but I also use the 12-step program or the 12 steps, shall I say, of NA and, and have reframed them into you being uh, someone who's really good in your business. Let's say you run a restaurant and yeah. you have got a mate who runs a restaurant. You are buzzing and you're full all the time. You're made, there's a few t- tumbler wheels rolling through the front. Um and he comes to you one day and says, hey, man, 
you know, what do you do that I don't do? And would you be kind enough to help me? And that is the 12-step approach. That is, that is not necessarily AA. AA is one thing. And our NA or all the other offsprings that, that focus on different problems in your life. So AA is Alcoholics Anonymous, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, there's Overeater Anonymous. There is Gambling Anonymous, et cetera. So there are different, different groups that meet right. and that are supposedly working through such a 12-step program. Um, for me, I, yeah, I, we just took the 12-step program in rehab and I let it on then, or I uh, continued with it. And it was just a systematic way. So your friend got in touch with you and said, yeah, I don't know what to do. So you, maybe you would go across, or in your case, a gym, gym owner. If something is really, really odd. No one comes to me. They all come to you. So what would you do? Oh, okay, I come across, but why don't I have a look? So you would come from the outside, look at the outside, go in, see what is the front staff doing. You would have a look around, first impressions, then maybe have a few sessions with a trainer, with a few trainers, see what they do. Um, okay. Look behind the scenes, you know, how do you manage your, your advertisement, your money, et cetera. Then you have figured out, okay, there are certain things that no one ever uses. And that just sits there and wastes space, floor, uh, floor space. Um, there are other maybe other advertisements that don't do anything. So you find those things that don't work, chuck them out. Then you find things that maybe would work, maybe a new class that at the moment is trendy and that would bring you immediately customers that you need to keep afloat. Then you maybe um, put little changes in here and there everywhere and maybe a lick of paint, new music, new whatever. Uh, and then you might go to your to your customers and say, hey guys, maybe we have changed our 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 thing. Hey, you know, maybe we were not yeah. so great a few months ago. So my apologies for that. Um, you're uh, hey, we are now under uh my the management has changed. And because of that, we give you a month free. Um, of your thing and come along and we get a, some protein powder for free uh, just as a as a making amends that we were not so great in the past. And then suddenly it's starting to get busy again. Now you put a quality assurance program in, make sure that you're actually doing the right thing, have team meetings, get everyone on the same page. And down the line, both of your gyms are absolutely blue, booming. It's great. And, and your mate will say, wow, this is cool. This, wow. So why don't I create a, a self-help group for other gym owners? So what we have just done is a 12-step program. Hmm. So ultimately, logic. So you help the failing business. Now, if you can get a, a business out of the shits with that, why not use that business here? That That is your soul, your 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 brain. So that is where yeah. the 12 steps come in. So So I look at it from that angle. You have got a different approach. You look at it from the vision point of view, taking the dream, vision, mission. And Absolutely. that is both of them are very valid. Both of them, some will work for some, some will work for others. And in a, in a time uh, frame, you might start with a 12 step and then move towards what you are doing. Yeah. So whatever people need, I think is there. And I've, I guess that's what, what is so important. Here we are. We have both gone through different schools of sobriety. We are both sober. We are both kicking ass. We are both living lives that we love, but we've only just yeah. started on that path. 
So it just shows, okay, there are different ways how to get clean. There are different ways how to live a life. But so you need to figure out, guys, what works for you. So Eric, I mean, you are so so in such a beautiful position today. And you say it was about three and a half, four years ago that you yeah, actually yeah. turned that around. Um, were yeah. you always into fitness before? So were you actually oh, working out whilst you were whilst you were uh, using? Um, yeah, I did. It wasn't in a way where I was very consistent or committed, mm. but I, I mean, there's certain parts of my life where like, I, you know, as a kid quitting, like trying to get off, trying to quit weed, trying to quit drugs, yeah. kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Trying to get better. And I spent like four months really hitting the gym hard and eating better. Yeah. And, you know, I was a wrestler as well. So I was in some sports, but I, what I've no, always noticed is when I committed like those four months at a time, yeah dude, I blew up. Like I have great genetics and I was surprised. And then I go back to the drugs and I go back to the drugs. So it's always been a part of my life. And actually I've always been one of the most more fit people in into fitness people that I've ever known, even around, you know, even sober people. So it's always been a passion. It's also always been a passion. And I've always had a vision of being on stage and helping people and, that's that's my only vision actually yeah. and now i get to build that dude i get to do what i love and and i love what i do like you said and uh, i'm a very visual person i do sit down i close my eyes and i visualize my future every single day so i can get excited i have a full morning routine that gets me in the right uh, mindset for the day so that i can be more aware of my emotions and thoughts and uh, i do not think or crave alcohol drugs i'm you know, at least in my eyes, I'm not an addict. Right. Uh, and I'm dude, my, I'm a whole new, whole new person. Right. And that's beautiful. That's exactly what you're doing. You're working on your recovery. You're working on that new life every day because there's a very yep. good saying you either work on your recovery or you work on your relapse, your choice. And Absolutely. you have chosen to go for the recovery all out. Yeah. Now I throw a spanner in the works here. Could it be, those four months working hard and then hitting the drugs could it also have to do with your mental setup whilst you have fantastic genes for the bodybuilding um you probably also have fantastic genes for experiencing the highs and lows of life far more than others so yeah. i know you about your podcast so tell us a bit about that side of your life yeah, man. So are you talking about the highs and lows, like the, the mood swings and stuff That's like that? That's right. The good old bipolar, yeah. the good old, yeah. because as, as, as we, we all know, depression, darkness, low, can't do a thing, but there are some people who are the opposite and they swing very rapidly. So there is a manic phase and that manic yeah. phase gives you energy. You don't need sleep. Fuck it. Who, who needs sleep? You just go out all out, all out, all out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah can you can you distinguish between a manic phase and you being disciplined and going all out because you want to? Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I can say is that since I got my my life on the right track and completely 100 percent committed as a disciplined human being, my mood swings have. They're they're gone, dude. Like I I feel as Beautiful. if I've, I've cured my own bipolar yeah. disorder. Now, now when life gets extremely stressful, uh, I'm going through some crazy hard right now. Like 
life does not get easier. I'll yeah. tell you that like, <laughs> I'm struggling more. <laughs> I just can't drink now. I can't drink. So yes, you know, got to face it. Right. And so, um, when life gets crazy, I will hit a low dude. And, and it's, it's hard. It's bad. And it's about three days where I'm just, I'm done, like completely doubting myself, mm. you know, and the only thing that gets me out of it is time and sleep at that point. Good. But, and then I do have those high highs. Sometimes it's not as crazy as it used to be. I'm pretty much staying right on that mid level where I, nice. I'm, I have energy and I sleep well nice. and I'm healthy. And I think it all has to do with my nutrition yes. and the amount of energy I put in and my workouts Shit, yes. and I, I'm, I'm releasing that energy, my anger, my stress every day, my stress management's on point. I wake nice. up and I suffer so that I don't have to suffer, suffer in my mind all day. I uh, read the Bible every day. I have a whole routine that uh, and routines should serve you in my opinion. Yeah. They should serve the season you're in and they should also serve your struggles. So if I'm doubtful, I'm writing 20 IM statements a day. I'm, you know what I mean? So I'll switch my routines to match my mood so that in the first thing in the morning, I can switch out of that mood nice. and I can be in the right mindset before mood swings are insane. And it was, they're quick, constant and quick. Uh, and every time I was either, either manic or depressed right at the top of the bottom, it was Drug, drugs, drugs, drugs. Yeah. So you're a rapid cycler. Um, there are some people have got mood swings that are sort of more slow. They last a few months and then they, they you swing the other way in the last few weeks, months. And there are the rapid cyclers like you, you know, that within a day, you might experience the highs and lows or within a week, you experience the highs yeah. and lows. And that's brutal. Um But you're quite right. That's quite right. You have learned a superpower. You have trained the superpower of being in control of those mood swings that drive other lives insane. Here yeah. you are by actually doing daily steps. That's so beautiful to hear you. And that's that's where you have become the master of the, the resilience, the master of the the being very clear in your mind what you want to do and actually take action. So you yeah. don't just read a self-help book and think, can I would be nice and now eat a pizza, <laughs> uh, but rather actually, no, you live the life, you walk yeah. the walk, uh, you walk the walk. Yes, you talk the talk and you walk the walk. That's what I want to say. <laughs> and that is so yeah. hard. But when you actually do it, it's amazing. So yeah, let's talk about it. The, so man, yeah. let's talk about the nutrition because we all need to realize uh, a few things about that. What is your take on nutrition? Why do you think that works? Because if you can control what you ingest, you, you can do anything. Have you ever tried a diet? Right. Mm -hmm. I'll just ask that simple question. How hard is it not to grab that donut? How hard is it not to grab that soda? How hard is it to eat all your meals? It's extremely hard. Why? Because just like alcohol, food is an addiction. Mm -hmm for a lot of people, just like drugs, but it's legal. And you walk outside and you smell McDonald's like mm. from 10 miles away. Right. Mm. And so he could control those cravings. You're going to have complete control over your body mm. and your mind eventually. And that's what I use. I use it as a tool to reach the mind. And first, uh, one thing I noticed is I'll, I'll get somebody on a diet And they're like, they can't commit. They can't struggle. What happens is they, they want it. So they try and they push themselves. And then there's something happens. 
and they fall off and they get back on another two weeks, they fall off two weeks on one week off. And it's patterns in our minds. There's patterns in our lives and everybody has them. I use my program to find those patterns. And then when that issue is happening to get on the phone with that client and Mm. dig extremely deep Mm. and figure out what it is that's causing them and even making them them aware of the pattern. They're like, Holy Mm. crap. Like, Mm. Man, I'll show them the graph of their weight loss. It's like mm. perfect. It's perfect. It looks the same every three weeks mm. and they're, they're just mesmerized. And it's just a fact that mm. there's something that's limiting you mentally. And so Absolutely. I use diet to break, to break through those limitations and get full control yeah. over yeah. their, their lives. Yeah. I, I personally don't like the word diet. Um, I say nutrition. Yeah. And not uh, true. Yeah. The, the nutrition is a way of living. And this is not just a short three weeks, something. No, it's, it's a different way of life. And that is, I think I can live far easier with that. What I would like you guys out there to know is that there is about a kilogram and a half of nerve tissue up there, give or take 1500 gram. There's as much nerve tissue sitting in your abdomen as there is sitting in your head. Okay. So there is, when you have got a gut feeling, you actually are pretty spot on there because there's another brain sitting down there. Now that Mm -hmm. brain um, is living in symbiosis. So living together in harmony with the bacteria in there. So there are actually three to six pounds of uh, bacteria sitting, typically most of them inside your gut, on your skin, in your nose, everywhere. So there is actually far more cells. You right now, Eric, there are far more cells that didn't come from mommy and daddy than came from mommy and daddy. Bit spooky, but it is actually true. So these bugs, they produce chemicals. They produce neurotransmitters. They produce the serotonin that makes you feel good. If they are the right, the right guys, if you help these guys to live. Now, if the wrong guys come down there and they're wrecking the house and wrecking the party because they love, they, they thrive on sugar, they thrive on all kind of, of shit that is in not so healthy nutrition, yeah. then that's not very clever. Mm-hmm. So you invite the hooligans into your gut, basically, by eating shit. If you change your diet, if you actually now nourish the good guys, maybe introduce some good guys with some yogurt, with some some kind of lactobacillus bacteria, et cetera. They come in capsule form if you don't like dairy, et cetera. That's fine. So eat them regular and then feed them. And what they need is the salad. They need cellulose. They need stuff that you can't break down uh, that actually your body doesn't need, but the bugs need it. So you know, treat the bugs nice. So that's where the nutrition comes in. When we say eat your colors, we bloody well mean it. When we say eat a lot of greens, we bloody well mean it. And when you actually do that, suddenly things change. And that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Quickly. Isn't it? Exactly. Oh, so, it's amazing. And the other thing to say is one more <laughs> thing, just talk doctor wise, when you eat a muffin, what happens? Lots yeah. of white, uh, white stuff, uh, white, white flour in there, and lots of sugar in there. Stuff that very easily is broken down. So what you get is a sugar spike, <laughs> like that. Now your body yeah. doesn't like spikes. Okay, so out comes the insulin, and you go from oh, I feel good, 
30 minutes later, crash down. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel yeah. so good because my blood sugar is now low because you're shooting the other way. Um, yeah. So that's this kind of rapid yo-yo when you eat shit. And that's why you feel so good for a very short period of time with a cheesecake. And then thereafter you pay. Yeah. Twice. And you yeah, eat. no, it's the instant gratification. And when you, when you seek instant gratification in your diet, you're going to seek it in your lifestyle. Oh, very and nice. Very you know nice. What I mean, you talked about nutrition over diet and mm. I believe in that as well. I just use diet because it's so it's just a word, right? In my head, I don't really care. It's just a word, Fair right? Fair call. But, but we're looking at sustainability in my program. We're looking at a lifestyle. We're looking at something yep. that's going to last you forever that exactly. is actually doable, first of all, and that you can hit 100% on exactly. because I want you to feel good about yourself too. Like exactly. I accomplished something, right? We're looking the long view. We're looking exactly. at long view gratification, yep. not what how we can feel in, in one month, two weeks. Mm. You know, obviously I'll get you a, a result quicker than that, mm. but like, when, when you practice that on a nutrition level, it changes the, the wiring of your brain to think like that in your finances, in your, in your relationships, your marriage, your everything. And that's why I've built a successful business, coaching mm-hmm. business. That's why I'm good at what I do. That, mm-hmm. That's why I'm finally a good husband, right? <laughs> I'm willing to endure like the arguments and, and be humble with my wife because I know in the long run, in the short run, I could, I could win that fight and feel good, but it's not going to help me in the long run. Uh, exactly. I want a sustainable marriage so I control my emotions. Yeah. And I believe that I found that in controlling what I ingest. Yeah. It's neuroplasticity at its best, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, I quite, and that's quite good. Whilst I absolutely... Um, adore your your physical uh, well-being uh, fantastic I mean uh, all men are in awe of that um, the, the important you. bit to realize is uh, that nutrition plays such a key role there and we keep forgetting that there, there's yeah. I have forgotten the the influence of the sports person who did it um, but he did a 10,000 calorie day um, where he ate 10,000 calories and then the next yeah. Is that Michael Phelps? Was that? No, no, no. That? That, that's a different story, even. Oh, okay. No, okay. no, no. It was, no, no. That was a, a, another uh, mad guy who basically then said, okay, now I have eaten 10,000. That was actually hard, but it's doable. And now he was trying in 24 hours to lose 10,000. And that Oof. was impossible. And he, right. he he literally trained around the clock as hard as he possibly could. That was very little thing, and he reached about seven thousand calories that he could drop. Um, That's in insane. That time. Yeah, isn't that so? A lot they, of calories to burn, man. <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> and that was and he was he was wiped after eight hours, and he was at three thousand calories or four thousand or something like that. And he thought, yeah. "I'm wiped. I could stop right yeah. now." <laughs> so it just shows that that combine both. And you have got some very, very powerful allies. But for both, Absolutely. you need discipline. For both, you need insight why you're doing it. You need to understand what drives you away from your goals. And that's what your, your teaching program is all about. That's where Absolutely. you come in, Eric, with regards to, to the discipline. Now, discipline in some people uh, is uh, a swear word. Um, 
you yourself had trouble with discipline uh, towards your father figure, <sighs> towards your yeah. to authority, etc. So if you tell me discipline, I immediately want to tell you fuck you. That's that's my immediate response. Yeah. So okay, absolutely. So so you need to rephrase it. How do you rephrase it to someone who? who uh, is a free-thinking man, who is spontaneous. <laughs> I, you, I mean, I could, deal with that? I could rephrase it as a, living in abundance, in my opinion, because yeah. I believe, I'm, I'm a believer in God, right, Christian? I believe that, I mean, I just, I, I, I know that your listeners may not believe this stuff, and that's fine. I'll just, just kind of throw my beliefs in here. Right? I don't like talking about religion, but I do believe that, uh, Jesus Christ was the most disciplined man that ever walked the earth, in my opinion. Right. And I believe that discipline is obedience to your creator, to your God. And I believe that when you're disciplined and you're taking care of your, the things you can control wow. and controlling the things you can control and you're not, you know, chasing instant gratification and you're not trying to um, just chase pleasure all the time instead you're chasing you're you're seeking purpose in life right then god or your creator is going to lay that purpose out for you he's going to point you in the correct direction he's going to use the gift that you were created with to to make something good out of this world and so i see it as that vision we were talking about earlier i'm obedient to the vision right i know it's i know what it's going to take to be that man the man that can love my wife the best and be the best father. I know what it's going to take. And so I look at it in, in the long view of being rewarded mm. and uh, from being obedient mm. instead. Cause I get that when people say, people look at my life and they're like, Oh, you're boring. Like you, I eat seven times a day, seven meals a day. Mm. And I, I, hit the stairmaster every morning at, four, at five in the morning and I sweat with a hoodie on as hard as I can. And then I go work out for three hours at the end of the day. Like I'm, I do a lot, right. That's, that's me. That's my life. Well, one thing that I get out of that, even though it's hard sometimes, I may not want to do it is while I'm in it, sweating, feeling the pain. I feel so good. I feel good. It's self-love. Discipline mm-hmm. is the, the highest level of self-love. I mean, you can look at it like that. That's another way to rephrase it mm-hmm. for sure. Love yeah. it. Absolutely love it. And therefore it is, uh, it is hard. And I, I love what you say. It is absolutely hard for you too. And I think for everyone, everyone out there who is trying to be disciplined and uh, having said that you have got choices to make, you get to make choices. It's a privilege. Yeah for you you get to make the choice that you say actually no today i feel like crap i need to to curl up in a ball and feel like crap because depression has hit me i've had so much shit on my plate today sorry i will not work out and that's absolutely cool but there will be other days where you say yes i had shit today but you know what i treat myself now i treat myself to go onto the treadmill or to go for or for a a walk, even if you're not yet out there in the gym or out there in physical exercise, doesn't mean to say that you have to sit on the couch. You can make a point of actually going around the block. No, you didn't want to, you didn't need to, but what, do, what don't you do? Just just do it. But those people who are really starting at literally zero, um, 
And suddenly you feel, okay, this was actually quite, <laughs> I might be out of puff even, but that's okay. That's okay. But you did it. You did it. Now celebrate and that it you did it. it feels good. Isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And then tomorrow yeah. you might not feel like it, but the next day you, you try again and you say, wow, that's a bit easier now. And suddenly you think, hey, actually, that's not so bad after all. And you do that 20, 30, 44, or 77 times, whatever the current figure is that people say you have to do for it to become a habit. Um, you do it repeatedly and suddenly you don't even think about it anymore. And when yeah. you don't do it, your body says, Oi, hey, where's my walk? Come on. I want to go for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's and, cool. And absolutely. And go, going back into the identity thing, yeah. make it who you are, not what you do. Perfect. And, Love it. And, it, and you, you won't miss a step. Yeah. Like, I don't have to work out. Or yeah. sorry, I, I shouldn't work. It's not, I should work out. I should yeah. eat my meals today. It's, yeah. I have to. Yeah. I've raised my standards. Yeah. And I don't miss a step. I don't give myself a way out, no plan B, yeah. no, no, uh, yeah. no way out. Yeah. But also experience and learn. For example, the last three days, the last, oh yeah, probably five days now, this was a bit of a chaotic week. And I thought I'd do some intermittent fasting. And then I thought, and then by 10 o'clock in the morning, I was, fucker. now give me a muffin. So I ate actually not very well this week and I paid the price. There were yeah. certain emotions there. There were certain fluctuations of emotions there. There was a certain degree of fatigue there that normally I don't have. And it was a direct lesson to learn. So uh, from now and then you have to take a step back so that you can take two steps forward. Um, so this week has taught me again what happens when you don't look after yourself. And these are powerful insights. So therefore, yes, I will make sure that I actually get my, my shit together with my food and my water intake and, and all these beautiful yeah. things. And again, I did actually do very little exercise this week. Uh, and then I finally realized, oh God, I didn't do much exercise. So I went for a K swim uh, and felt good. And then I realized because I haven't done some exercise, my muscles were saying, boy, what the hell are you doing? And everything hurt. And that's okay. It just shows yeah. I let myself slip. So yeah. instead of working on my recovery, I worked on my relapse. And I thought, okay, fair call. Yeah. Thank you for the reminder. That's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not beating myself up. I don't have any scars now from whipping myself. Stupid. Ah, you That's failure. It. No, yeah. I'm not a failure. Exactly. I'm, I'm just, I, I made some decisions, some choices. They didn't suit me so well. And that's cool. And now I learn from it. I have figured out what doesn't work. Now let's figure out what works. Yeah. There's a place for self-criticism. There is, mm. but not, not every time, you know, like I know a lot of people in America, at least it's like, they call themselves a bitch. So like, oh, I'm being a bitch right now. You know, like I got to get up, but they use that in a term of like, I know I can get up. And so I'm using this to like motivate myself. But when you fail and you're down on yourself and you're talking bad to yourself, it's just going to, it's going to keep you low. Yeah. Now you're pitying yourself. Mm. Now you're holding, now you're pushing yourself down. Mm. But if, if you come to a point where like, you know, you can do better and you're almost jokingly telling yourself like, Oh, you're being a bitch to get up. Like those things, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. that, that definitely yeah. helps. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But the, con the conversation you have with yourself is the most yeah. important conversation you'll ever have. And I mean, that that's been a huge thing yeah. for me is because of my trauma, because of the emotional abuse as a kid, yeah. my self-doubt has been 
the number one thing that has held me back. You're so right. You're so bloody yeah. right. Yeah. And that's those voices. So that's the cover. It's too shiny. Sorry, do it this way. Looks like, is that Bambi? <laughs> but that's not Bambi. That is. <laughs> well, Bambi gets shot in our, our areas and it becomes a really nice with salt and pepper and a bit of uh, sesame oil. No, that's Esme, the mindful mouse, uh, which gotcha. is my first children's book. Um, because we want to, I've, I'm working together with another author, Belinda Manor. We want to address exactly that issue. Those kind of core beliefs that are laid down uh, at a very early stage. Um, yeah. How would it be if we actually build strong human beings and not repair broken adults as we are doing right now here? So therefore I've started to work towards that line as well. But sometimes we are still those little children that are believing some really stupid crap. So we need to deal with those core beliefs and we need to yeah. work with that. And that is so, if we can achieve that, then suddenly you get insights yeah. where you say, huh, now I understand why I self-sabotage all the time. Yeah. Now I understand why I've never been able to lose weight. Now I understand what's going on. So therefore, for you, for, for anyone out there, not you, Eric, but you, the viewer out there, to just try another diet, well, yeah, that will work. It will You will drop it. Problem. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You are still, you're not addressing the problem. You're just yeah. you know, trying a yeah. different response. And guess what? In three months, you're back to where you were, or maybe even a little bit worse. Um, yeah. So that's the fate of most diets. Um, so therefore, no. How would it be if you address that you are not a failure, that you are not hopeless and helpless, that you're not a basket case, that you are not all those kind of crappy voices that you keep telling yourself. Yeah, exactly. Insecure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How about that's you? What I, that's, that's what I help with my clients a lot. That stuff right there. Exactly. And, you know, I, I get to know them very well by their mm -hmm. struggles. It's like, they're excited in the beginning, yep. build them out the plan. <laughs> they, you know, they want to lose 50 pounds. They've, I've had clients lose 50 pounds in three months and they're like, Oh, I want to be like that, you know? And then they jump on and it's like, they're loving it. And then all of a sudden whoo, disappear. And it's like, they're, they've relapsed. Right. And, Absolutely. You no, know, I don't, I don't work with like just addicts or I don't have like, I work with everybody, but I, yeah. I mostly work with entrepreneurs because they're just dedicated type of people, but I work yeah. with everyone. And, and it's just like, it, it's like, where'd you go? You know? And it's hard for people to admit, like they usually won't respond, you know? And like when you, <laughs> when you were talking about AA and how like they're saying like, Hey, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. You're, you're very right about that. And I didn't even see it like that until you said it, but that admitting and telling somebody and being vulnerable about what's going on when it's happening is so powerful. Isn't it's that? a game changer. Like just exactly. that step, that first step admitting yeah. is everything, you know, it's so hard for us to do. Yeah. But so don't I beat mean, yourself up about it. Admit yeah. it and then say, okay, what went wrong? In my first year, I had uh, a night um, where I drank and um, to a degree that I could not hide it. Okay. So my <laughs> day I was waking up from a hungover my wife walked into the bedroom and I've expected a third world war to happen. And she just lay down next to me 
and we gave each other a hug and she said okay what happened and what went wrong where could we do better in the future and that was the most beautiful thing she there was no fight there was no aggression there was no nothing she was just saying yeah cool you had a relapse so now what can we learn from it where where did it all start and that was so powerful i was humbled i'm now sort of feeling quite emotions walling up here uh or coming up in me um the um i'm not sure if i even cried on that day i certainly was absolutely gobsmacked uh that she said that and how she responded but that was so beautiful so if we can just give ourselves that that hug grace uh, that great. Yeah. That's right. That grace. The, the 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 humility of saying, "Hey, look, man, this is okay. This is normal. You're a human past. being. That's right." So, man, I mean, this is so powerful, and that's so beautiful. But again, what you are doing is you're holding people accountable. You're actually teaching them integrity, and you're guiding them along a path. And that's so yeah. important because it is very very hard to stay on a path consistently every day without help. It's yeah. so easy. Life overtakes us and pushes us off that path. And suddenly you're back in fight and flight, responding to whatever is happening around you. It's very hard. You are the wingman. You are the guy who is actually helping others along. Uh, you are the friend that you really need in such a, on such a journey. Yeah, okay. that's it, man. I, I believe that everybody's purpose in the smallest way Mm. at the minimum is to become who they needed to be in their darkest times Mm. beautiful that's it that's how you become a good father that's how you become a good wife husband daughter Mm. like what anything i mean that right there is it's a golden rule in another Mm. sentence but Mm. if you think like that then you're you're doing really well in my opinion because if you can think like that then you're very self-aware of who you are what you're doing your behaviors and now you can be aware of how they're feeling about your, mm. you know, your behavior to them. Mm. And I love being a coach, dude. It's my absolute <laughs> passion. Uh, I love clients that listen, you know, not all of them do, but <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love helping people. I'm, I'm very talented at it. And yeah. it's crazy because there was a point in my life where I hated humans, all of them. And it's just like, life's just turned to 180 and, and it's good you know <laughs> the opposite to addiction is connection yeah you are yeah. just the living the living example of that isn't it right. Right. <laughs> so absolutely how long did it take you to get back with your wife you had actually i don't i want to ask that yeah so it took i'm a fast mover dude like when i put my head in something i I get what I want as quick as possible. <laughs> if I'm going to get it. Um, I, I got clean. I started going to church, hanging out with the community group guys. And within four months I called her and I was like, I was like, I basically told her like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I've been doing. You know, I'm, I'm healing. You know, what do you say? And she's, she was interested, you know? And so we started like dating again and at that moment, I was actually living in a friend's basement because I needed an accountability partner. I wasn't allowed to have alcohol in his house. Yeah. And so like I was living in this just piece of crap, you know, basement and just roughing it, hoping to get my wife back, just working on myself, reading the Bible, working out every day, eating 
as much food as I can to gain weight again. And I uh, called her and she, she was very impressed. And so about four months and then we, uh, I moved to California where she moved to. So I lived in Nevada and um, within two or three months after that. So seven months from the time I pulled that gun out of my mouth, I was living with her again and my son in hundred percent fully in their lives and providing for them again. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And it just shows the, the, the power of transformation and the power of living a new life. Um, is there equally a growth noticeable in her? Does she say, wow, uh, does she take a leaf out of your book? And has she changed in response to your behavior? Yeah, my wife has also been through a lot of traumatic stuff in her yeah. life as well. Yeah. And so we share that. We're, we have that in common. We're both the youngest in our families. Yeah. We both have dealt with a lot of uh, emotional abuse and, um, you know, been pushed out of our families. And so we're each other's support systems for sure. And then we both, because of our trauma, we'll, you know, spent years just flipping out on each other for no reason and had a lot of crazy fights. Right. But we're in so in love that it's crazy and we hold each other. We support each other. When one, one of us is down, the other one is up. When the other one's down, the other one's up and we're holding on to each other. And, you know, she's, I'm, I'm very proud of her because, you know, her whole thing is like extreme depression and, and she uh, is getting help. And just for that right there, like, is it's amazing because Beautiful. it's hard to get help for something that you may not think could be fixed. Right. Mm. You know, and so she is my rock and she's, I don't know. She's just, again, the only thing that I've ever felt love from. And she's basically gave me the, the blueprint and the foundation to give love to others. So I'm proud of her. Very proud of her. And she gave you permission to be you and to develop yeah. into that new you. And she was standing beside you on that journey. Yeah. That's so beautiful when that happens in a relationship and it happens in a family. Often enough, you there is a lot of enabling behavior going on uh, and there is sort of a codependency going on in some relationships. And when then someone gets clean and gets themselves out of shit, Uh, then suddenly the whole relationship is in trouble um, yeah. because uh, they you're no longer enabling the behavior and you even might swing the other way uh, where you yeah. say, no, actually, we will not have any drink here in the house whatsoever. Um, and that that might end up in friction as well. So I just want to yeah. say that to you guys out there, if you are starting out, recovery, the only thing that changes in recovery is everything, okay? So <laughs> it is... It is, for most of us, our lives are turning virtually in all aspects of life to the better. But sometimes you hit some speed bumps and just be aware of that. Recovery, whilst we too are speaking very gloriously about it, because that's where we are at this stage. Don't think for yeah. a moment that there was not pain and trauma as part of our recovery. That is just as much as given. Making amends can sometimes be, I mean, brutal, having to face yeah. face what you have done in the past and now owning it and dealing with it and then parking it 
where it belongs in the past, it's still a traumatic process. Okay, so yeah. so guys realize that. Yeah, I would say the thing that fast tracked my results the most is accountability. And like I said, I didn't really have a coach or a community to do that with. I was the coach. I, I told my story. Mm. I, I just told my story and I've been telling it ever since. And I mean, it's never too early, never too late to tell your story. It can be the only thing that saves you. Correct. Because when you admit something in public, your brain will find a way to, to hold on and, and, and practice what you preach in my opinion. And I, I think that if you're already in sobriety and, yeah. and taking those steps towards sobriety, go tell your story yeah. and, and be okay with telling some of the hard stuff and just work your way into the harder and harder stuff. And eventually you can get into that. But the things that I've done in my life and seen and been around and, and have the, I've, I've felt so much shame and guilt in my life. It it's put guns in my mouth. Right. And so I am here to tell you that it does get easier because and only if you're willing to tell that story and it's actually saving people's lives today like my story has saved a lot of lives and fuck if i can go through all that pain Mm. and save one person it was Mm. it was worth it you know that's it i've lived my purpose amen that's that's what i so strongly believe in and that is that is that you come to, you will come to that point yeah. virtually guaranteed some of us for some of us it takes longer um, because our our path to redemption and our path of recovery depending upon the amount of trauma you've experienced might actually be quite tumultuous and it comes in, in in layers like an onion you peel one layer back and you think shit there's a lot of pus there uh, we better deal with that that might take you a little bit to deal with that shit and then you think, hey, cool, that's all sorted. Next layer comes off and you think, hey, great. <laughs> Had not thought about that one for a while. Okay, we better get going again. And so it is. So, you know, sometimes yeah. it just takes some time. So this is not yeah. a pissing contest. This is not a race. How quickly you can come to to the, the point where you truly can be humble and live a life full of integrity and transparency. Um, I think that is the vision uh, it should be for you. And because that is where most of us are are now who you listen to. We are at that point in our lives Um, and come along on the journey. And I don't know how quickly it will, you come to that point. It might be a few months. It might be a few years, uh, but you will get there. So, but you put the work in, and you get yourself maybe someone who has been there before, a wingman, maybe Eric Rogers, if the guy sort of fitted with your, with if you gelled with what he was saying. And he was saying a lot of really cool shit. So I actually, I believe that that Eric has something there. Um, Thank you. So now uh, this is, guys, there is hope. The past, does, the past does not equal the future. End of the story. You have- Today that, does. Exactly. Right now, right now matters. And right now you have choices. You have chosen to listen to that podcast. You have chosen to watch that YouTube video to the end. Now, look how committed you are already. What discipline, you know, the typical attention span of fucking eight seconds. Um, No, you're here. So man, 
you're good. You're good. Girl, you have done it already. So, you know, what will be the next step? You know, maybe, just maybe, check out Eric and then check check his, his things out. Eric, tell us, where can they find you? Um, I'm Instagram is the best place to find me at, at the, sorry, <laughs> at the real underscore Eric Rogers. And I'm sure you'll drop a link below or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I also have a website. It's rogersfitnessacademy.com. And if you guys are interested in seeing like what I do for my, uh, my program and my clients and what they got to say about it, it's awesome. I have a few clients out in the UK. Where are you located, brother? I'm New Zealand, sort of New Zealand, as far away of all the madness as I possibly could find. Um, yeah. So New Zealand is quite good, is quite safe. So hey, but and by the way, once you once that whole Omicron or whatever the newest virus is, shit is finished. I want you to be over here. Come on, guy. You, you uh, need dude, my break. wife would. How I talked about New Zealand all the time. <laughs> there you it's go, like girl. Her dream. That's yeah. right. Come on. Uh, I see your eyes going across there. Come on, you guys, you're invited. There is, yeah. there's a fantastic time waiting for you out here. So. Awesome, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, no, so Eric Rogers, Fitness Academy. Um, so, guys, look down there into the description of the podcast or of the YouTube video. Um, all the links are there. And whilst you're down there, press the like and the subscribe button, you know, click, click. Um, and hey, if you liked what we're doing here, then just tell your mates, just tell your friends and, and, and sort of say, hey, have some, some good shit I've listened to, um, you know, why don't you check it out? Because the more viewers we get, the more algorithms get triggered uh, from YouTube and therefore uh, such beautiful, beautiful uh, interviews like today's can be offered to other people who Absolutely. need to hear that the past does not equal the future, who need to hear that there is hope. They might not believe it. And that's exactly those people that I want to reach, that Eric wants to reach. We both have been in the darkness. We are in the light now, but we remember, we remember the darkness very well. So, and we believe that there are ways out and here we are. So, so pick up that phone. Um, Go to your GP, go to your family physician. And just, you know, if you don't don't want to, to talk to strangers like us, that's cool. Um, go to someone who knows you, your doctor, and actually say, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. And you will be amazed how many resources there are that might not cost you much or might cost you absolutely nothing. Um, and that would be a good start. So it doesn't matter what you do, but do take action. Do take action and start that journey of recovery, the journey of healing, the journey of loving yourself, learning to love yourself. And I'm sure Eric could be a good wingman there on your side. So Eric, thank you so much for your time, man. You are a, a great dude. You're a great, uh, a great role model out there. I'm honored to have you on my show. And so, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what the new Eric Rogers will do in, you know, six months time, a year's time. We all are growing. So therefore that's a given. Uh, so who knows Eric Rogers for presidency? Yes. <laughs> no, he says, oh, fuck. No. There's so many weird people there. No, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's too normal of a job for me. Oh, <laughs> oh well, respond. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> Eric, you're, you're a great man. Hey, you thank guys, you. Are, Eric, thank you so much for coming on to my show. And you guys out there, look after yourself, live with passion and go out there. Do right now when you stop that interview after you press the subscribe button, you make a decision, make a choice, maybe have a glass of water, rehydrate or get up and just walk some stairs up and down and well, maybe up and down again. Hey, you done some exercise. Hey, put one salad leaf, one spinach leaf onto your sandwich. Wow, that's a breakthrough. That's more than you've done before. So, you know, you can make little choices, but the, the compound interest that you reap the rewards down the line. Oh, oh, it's just, gives you goosebumps, actually. Just sort of just thinking about your journey that you guys will have. And it's just, yeah, live with passion. Look after yourself, guys. Bye.